everybody, and welcome back to another edition of The Christian Contrarian. I'm Gary Wayne, author of The Genesis 6 Conspiracy, and this is episode 38, End Time Babylon, part 1. You know, one of the most interesting and controversial aspects of end time prophecy, and particularly in the book of Revelation, is what is Babylon of the end time? And there's a lot of theories out there. A lot of people have a number of different views, and some people think it's a country like the United States, or some people think it's New York City. Some people think it's a political and military empire, and there's literally a lot of different sort of variations of that sort of thought process as to what end-time Babylon is. So it's really important, though, that we understand as best we can what Babylon is so that we're not easily deceived and or surprised because prophecy tends to surprise people and so we need to prepare ourselves to be as ready to understand the seasons and the events of end time prophecy of the fig tree generation as best as we can. And so Babylon has a lot of literal details to it that's described in Revelation 17 and a lot of allegorical words that are used to describe Babylon and I would describe that as prophetic allegory in terms of my approach to scripture and prophetic allegory requires understanding prehistory on most occasions to fully understand and grasp what the allegory is. So if you're not familiar with history and prehistory within scripture, then it makes it more difficult to understand the full meaning of end time prophecy. So as much as you can become acquainted with prehistory and history of the Bible, it's going to help you a lot in terms of understanding uh, end time prophecy. And in this case, Babylon in particular. And so we want to be ready for how Babylon rises so that we can best testify for Jesus when it's rising, how we can best role model for people in terms of explaining to them what's happening, even if they're not quite ready to fully come over, you're planting the seeds that when they see more of the events, that they'll hear the calling and they'll awaken and then they'll understand so as we get closer to the end time it's very important that we understand what we can do to prepare people and plant seeds and Babylon would be one of those keys because it's one of the most important aspects of end time prophecy as we focus in on what brings about the last seven years and Babylon is what sort of is the glue that brings all of the catastrophes together and presents us with the seventh empire that comes out of the Roman Empire, out of the ashes of the Roman Empire, Daniel 2, 7 and 8 talk about in Revelation 13 and 17. So Babylon is four things and we're going to cover it off. So it's a complicated, not to understand, but it will be a complicated web of organizations in functions that it does and that's probably why we get so many different views on what Babylon is. So the first thing I want people to understand is that 
Babylon is a city. It's a city as in Babel. City in Nimrod's empire in terms of forming at Babel City and having sort of an archetypical end time scenario with him as an archetypical antichrist figure with uh, the religion that he is introducing to lead people away from God and rebel against God. So understand it's an allegory that's rooted in Babel and in Babylon city. Babylon as in the first of the empires that are talked about in the beast empires. So you have the metallic empires of Daniel 2, which are the four of Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, and then you have the end time empire. Then you have the eighth uh, empire that Revelation 17 talks about that Antichrist takes over at the midpoint of the last seven years. In Daniel 7, you have those same four empires only described as beasts. And then in Daniel 8, you have the Greek Empire with Alexander and then the four empires it splits up into for nation states. Well, I guess not nation states, but empire states it splits up into after Alexander dies, which Rome is part of and then comes out of and becomes that fourth empire or the fifth Sixth, as I do the count properly, uh, as Daniel 8 would reconcile the seven empires of Revelation 17. Rome uh, being risen again in the end time is the seventh, and then you have the eighth with the Antichrist. And as you would reference that back to Daniel 7 with the four beasts or the four metallic empires, you would have Assyria, and which comes out of Nimrod and Babel as descendants, and Egypt as being the other two empires to make up the seven. And it's important to understand that is because this is the capital city of that rising Roman Empire of the last seven years that I think Babylon is going to be the catalyst for Antichrist to negotiate that's talked about in Daniel, Daniel 9.27. So this allegorical Babel city, this allegorical Babylon will be the capital of the beast empire of the end time. Whoever it is, and we're going to talk about who in part two and tell you why I think it's that, but today we're focusing on what and it's a city. And it's the capital city. Just as Babel City was the capital, just as Babylon City was the capital of the empire, and all of the major empires have a capital. Just like the uh, empire of Rome had Rome City as its capital and center. And so how do we know it's a city? Well, Revelation 17, 18 says the woman is a great city that rules over these 10 kings, that seventh empire. So we know it's a city. We know it's a powerful city. And we're going to touch a little bit more on that in a few minutes. But we need to understand it's a city. And of course, Revelation doesn't leave this to one passage or up in the air in terms of its understanding. We need to know that Revelation is called, uh, Revelation, uh, Babylon in Revelation um, is called a city nine times. Revelation 14, 8, when you get the summary of the last three and a half years at the midpoint, you get the midpoint uh, and then you get the summary, Revelation 14, 8, Babylon city. Revelation 17, 18 that we've already covered off. Revelation 18, 
10, 16, 18, 19, and 21 are the number of passages. And one of those passages is called a city twice. So it's a city. First thing of four, Babylon is a city. Second thing we want to talk about, and the third thing that we want to talk about, is that it is a geopolitical and commercial organization. And just as we talked about in Revelation 17, where it's a city that reigns over the kings of the earth, that's the political aspect of it. So it's going to be heavily involved in forming the Seventh Empire. And we get that same allegory of reigning and as in controlling. So it's going to control the ten kings as it reigns over it, as in riding on the beast in 17.3, uh, where it is riding on a beast that has ten kings and seven heads. And so when you ride a beast, as when you ride a horse, you have reins to control it, to direct it. To guide it. It's subservient to Babylon. Okay, so it is going to have significant political force because the kings of this worldwide global empire of groups of nations divided into ten, just as they're described in Revelation uh, 17 and in 13 and in Daniel 2, 7 and 8, are going to be these empires ruled over by powerful, mighty kings of the end time. Just as Daniel 22, 43 talks about these ones as ones who are going to mix their seed with humankind, which is another rabbit hole. But just I want to understand when we're talking about mighty, I'm not just using a term that is overstated. I think these are actually the descendants of the Rephaim and the descendants of the Nephilim. And who knows, by the wording in Daniel 2.43, some of them might be returning Nephilim that are going to be ruling these empires. So we need to be prepared for all things and not be so shocked as to what is taking place that we become mesmerized. And so Babylon also rode, by implication, all of these other empires in the past. We need to understand that. And that's why it takes its allegory from Babylon, which is the first empire of the prophecies in Daniel, and from Babel City. And so we have this powerful political organization that's controlling the governments of the world. And it is also a commercial organization. And that works hand in hand because it's going to have power levers. Babylon is going to have taxation levers it imposes over the world. And it's going to impose a tax or a charge on each transaction, as the conspirators like to say, that will happen on any transaction around the world. It's called a value-added tax. I think we're going to get more familiar with it, not only as a value-added tax, but also as an apocalyptic tax, just as you're getting carbon taxes being put on right now, and usually in the same sort of format as a value-added tax, that's what it's going to be. Expect more apocalyptic taxes to be applied to save us from destroying ourselves, which is the Babel syndrome, as Babylon gets closer to, to rising. 
So it's going to be this commercial enterprise that the kings of Babylon fornicate with, so are subservient to and serve the religion. And also the merchants, and you get that fornication in several passages like 18.4 and 9, and the merchants in 18.4 and in 15 and 19 and 11 through 14, in chapter 18, the merchants will grow rich from Babylon. Babylon will introduce something like a free trade scenario that was part of the Roman Empire on a global basis that they've been trying to resurrect ever since through global free trade, but they have been able to do it. Babylon is going to make that happen somehow, some way. Expect that. And it's going to have a surcharge, a tax on every transaction that takes place. And... The merchants are going to weep at Babylon's destruction shortly after the midpoint as Antichrist is taking power because all trade and sales will stop because of her destruction. Again, that's in um, Revelation 18, 11 through 14. And we know Babylon grows rich from these taxes because it's displayed with great majest majestic uh, uh, symmetry and symbology in there. So she's decked with gold and fine linen and jewels and dressed in purple, the color of royalty. Revelation 17, 4 and Revelation 18. So again, we need to understand that not only is Babylon a city and the capital city of this world empire where she controls the ten kings that represent groups of nations in this new world order that I like to call the Nephilim world order. And she is this political organization and she is this commercial organization. So we've covered three of those things already. The fourth one also comes out of the allegory and is, is has a lot of prophetic allegory words in there. So we're going to walk through that. It won't take that long, but you need to understand the full weight of what Scripture is trying to tell us by understanding the full meanings of the words that are used in conjunction with the text that we're giving and what that is, is sort of telling us as a whole over and over and over and over. So the first thing is, is that this is a great mystical religion. Which makes sense if you think about it as being part of all of the seven empires. So whether or not it's the Roman Empire before Christianity comes along. Whether or not it's Greece, whether or not it's Egypt. Any of those empires. They were all ruled over with and by the mystery religion, where you have a mother goddess and you have, you know, a, uh, a god that are at the top of the pantheon. And so this is what's coming back again. And so when we look at the words that are used in, in Revelation, the great mystery Babylon, <coughs> let's, we're going to talk about the first three words there. Great mystery in Babylon. <coughs> so great is the Greek word, magus, and that means in, 
in its greater meaning is uh, great in an external form, an outward appearance, great in that outward appearance, majestic in the outward appearance, and great in age, so very, very old, so old Babylon. That might even mean the root of the Babel religion and the mystery religions that come out of Babel from being started and begat in the antediluvian epoch with Enoch, son of Cain, with his Enochian mysticism that polytheists believe was restarted at Babel. That's not in the Bible, but that religion came from somewhere. It's probably accurate, and that's the allegory of Babylon that we're talking about, this knowledge cult in this this mystical religion that Nimrod usurps control over and imposes on the people of Babel and all of the Noites of that time. So that's what's going to happen. You're usurping a power and forced worship. And you're going to be told to worship or be destroyed from the face of the earth. That's the Babel syndrome. That's what they did at Babel for fear of being destroyed from, from the face of the earth, from another flood or from other enemies like the Raphaim. Whatever the reason, that's one of the reasons why they came together. That's going to be what we're going to see from nuclear disaster, from global warming disaster, from pandemic disaster, from earthquake disaster, from famine disasters, you know, the birth pangs that Jesus talks about in Matthew and Mark and, and, and Luke. And so that's going to be part of Babylon's rising, or those birth pangs. It's going to create the environment for the false prophets to come along and make prophecies of doom that will continue to increase in intensity as birth pangs do unless you convert to this one world religion, the true religion as it's going to be. So it's going to be this great religion of the past as what was with all of the seven empires or the six empires before and the seventh that's coming. And mystery is the Greek word mysterion. And that means hidden things, secret things, secret things held in rituals and initiations. This is a mystical religion, the mystery religions. This is the religion that is being described. It couldn't be any more clear in terms of what it's meaning there. Although mystery is used one other time as when it's going to talk about the seven hills that we're going to deal with in part two. But that's a mystery as well. But in this application, it's mystery Babylon. And the allegorical part is this mystery religion. So it has two meanings, the literal secret and hidden, and then the allegorical meaning for what is done by and uh, practiced by the polytheist religions because they're all mystical religions. They're all from the same root religion in the past. And Babylon. Babylon, with a U as it's in, it comes transliterated out of Greek into English. That is Babylon as defined as Babel City and Babylon City and Babylon Empire. All of them we've already talked about, and that's why that name we have to understand is rooted in these beast empires. And we have to understand it that way. And there's another meaning uh, for Babel, but we're going to talk about that in part two, not today. And so Great Babel is the old mystery religion from Babel forward and from the antediluvian epoch. And I keep harping back on that because... 
it has to be the same things as what happened both uh, before and after the flood as in the days of Noah, understanding that Noah lived 350 years after the flood and 600 years before the flood. So those things need to be the same as the fig tree generation unfolds as both are overarching signs that you have to understand in the context of all the other signs that are underneath those overarching signs that come before that Jesus talks about. So if you can understand those types of things, it makes it a little bit easier to understand who and what Babylon, the mystery religion of the end time that's going to be. But there's more in the allegory and we want to talk about the prophetic allegory that's being used and again requires going back into history and prehistory in the Old Testament to understand these things but that's our duty and so we're going to talk about now the woman of harlots and abominations and the cup that she offers people to drink so the woman is the Greek word goon or goonie some people might pronounce it and it's used six times to describe the end time religion. This is the mother goddess aspect that's being overlaid onto this idea of the mystical religion. And that mother goddess aspect is going to play a significant role in terms of how it deceives the people of the world into coming to the home polytheist religion They'll have different denominations around the world and will start to break down Christianity and will deceive Islam and will deceive uh, Judeans or the Jewish people of today as well. And we know the people of Judah are going to accept Babylon because they're hoping for their Messiah to come along who is going to be the one who has negotiated the treaty in Daniel 9.27. And they're going to be able to begin through this treaty sacrificing on an overspreading or an extremity or a wing of the temple in Jerusalem. That's going to be part of that treaty that Babylon brings along as this, as this religion, this mystery religion. So it's going to bring that to the table in the peace treaty and the global uh, Nephilim world order treaty that comes about. So we need to understand that. And this is the woman also called the mother, which makes sense. Same gender. And that's the mater, as in magna mater, that we'll be talking about in part two. And allegorically, it means idolatry and religion as, as well as the literal mother or the source. So this is the source religion. This is also the idolatry and religion source religion. And that's why I say Babel and the religion that was before the flood. And she's the mother of harlots. So harlots is the Greek word porn. Uh, porne, some people might say, um, which means whore, literally. And figuratively, it means idolatry. And worshiping of false gods and false religions. And so this is the mother of, the, of idolatry. And idolatry is the worship of gods and demigods in the form of images of the earth and the physical world and of themselves. Okay, things that we're told not to do. So there's going to be a lot more idolatry. 
that comes with this religion. And she's also called a whore many times through Revelation 17 and 18. And that's also the same sort of word and enunciation to the word, but it's 4204, which comes out of 4205. Both are porn. Whore it means harlot, just as um, you could look at whore as being the definition for porn, 4205 as being a harlot as well. And it also means prostitute, and it also means idolater. So again, you get the interchangeable words, and they're all reflecting the mother of the harlots, the mother of the whores, with this is the idolatry religion. And I'll connect that back in terms of how we know all of that in a few minutes. So hang in there a little bit longer, release. And she's the mother of harlots and abominations. And abomination means idolatry. So again, all of the words being used are there to continually underline that if you miss one, you'll catch the next one. But they never conflict with each other. They only support each other. And what's interesting about all of this is that in Zechariah 5, you have these two female angels who are taking the woman Babylon in the basket and setting it in place between heaven and earth and set in Shinar which is Babylon so again lots of all of the Old Testament prophecies support the New Testament prophecies and back and forth this is that ephah that measuring basket as in the scales and the ephah of the four horsemen of the apocalypse that are going to be used, those scales that it's talking about. So we're going to see that ephah of Babylon come in conjunction with the four horses and the rise of Babylon just before the last seven years. And the woman is holding a cup of abominations, a gold cup. And this is like a grail or a goblet type of thing, but she's the cupbearer of the empires, is the imagery. And she's the one who pours her delusions and, and deceptions and abominations into this cup, and she entices the kings of the earth and the people of the earth to drink from it and become drunk and maddened by it and led away from God and do the most horrible things against the laws of the omnipotent God of all things, the God of the Bible. And we know that this imagery is about a religion because it gets this defined for us in Ezekiel 23, 2 through verse 44. And it's describing Ahola as Samaria and Alaholabah as Jerusalem, Samaria being the northern Israel kingdom, Jerusalem representing the southern kingdom. And this, they are a daughter of one mother, as talked about in the mother of harlots. And this is the daughters of Babylon. So in the Old Testament, you're going to get a lot of allegory and prophecy that talks about the daughters of Babylon. Those are the religions of the daughters of Babel that show up in all the countries and all the empires, and particularly the beast empires of, that are listed in Daniel 2, 7, and 8. 
And the words that are used are the identical words for the description of that idolatry and worshiping false gods and religions of adultery, abomination, um, idol, idolatry, whoredom, and harlots. So everything is essentially lined up and defined for you in Ezekiel 23 if you just take the time to link it together. And this religion is a universal religion. It's a global religion. It rules over the whole empire and rules the ten kings of those empire from a great city that we'll talk about in part two. And we know it's a global nation, uh, religion because in Revelation 17.1 and 17.15 it defines it for us. So in Revelation 17.1 this great whore, this great Mother of harlots is sits on many waters. And waters is obviously an allegory. But in 1715 of Revelations, waters that this woman sits on is defined as peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues of the ten kings that she reigns over. So this will be a powerful religion, a universal religion rooted in Babel. It will be a polytheist religion, a mystical religion of initiations and idolatry. And it will be a brutal reigning religion that cannot stand any opposing views in its self-proclaimed proclaimed primacy. It will move to destroy any religion or people who do not conform to it and to its prophets. And so you're going to get the Babylonian tribulation of the saints in the first three and a half years that Revelation 7 talks about as part of the first fruits of the resurrection. And the ones that those first fruits that are shown in Revelation 6, the ones who are martyred in Jesus, as opposed to those ones who have died in Jesus, are waiting for the rest of those first fruits, which are the people that are killed in the first three and a half years and includes the two witnesses and includes the 144,000 who are called first fruits. And so we are called and warned to come out of Babylon because it is coming, it is here, it is everywhere today, and it will get stronger and stronger, and you will see this universal religion come together. That will be the glue to bring about the new Nephilim world order and world government. And so the church is asked to come out of Babylon, just as Judah and Israel will come out of Babylon in the second half of the last seven years. So hopefully you found this informational and I think you'll find part two uh, of the series will be just as informative. And until next time, may God bless everybody abundantly. Thank you.